Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hello and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'd like to welcome Angela Angle to the podcast. Angela is a mom of three, the founder of the Collective Book Studio, which is a full service partnership publisher. So welcome and it's nice to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. I wanted to start by asking, what is your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, of the week. Okay. Well, I am a mom of three, so I have to think about what my win of the week is. I think my win of the week is my oldest daughter, who's in seventh grade, almost 13 years old. Her and I had like a blowout fight this week, but the win was that she typed the most beautiful letter of apology. And I read it and I realized within that letter that I had made some also assumptions and mistakes, how overwhelmed she is with school and homework. Then I went down to her room and we just talked. So I think the win is just like slowing down and having time with my oldest. Oh, wow. And on that note, give me a little bit of your family context. How many kids do you have ages? Do you and your spouse or partner work? What's kind of the dynamic there? We have, my my husband and I are both small business owners and entrepreneurs. He owns an accounting firm here in Oakland, a boutique accounting firm, mostly focused on restaurants. He's been doing that for close to 10 years. And I am the owner of a partnership publishing house. So both of us have taken that leap of faith. And in COVID, it's very interesting to be small business owners, both of us. We have three three children, all girls. One is uh, in seventh grade, like I said. And then I've got a third grader who's nine and a, and a five-year-old who, and she's in pre-K. And were all of them under the same roof at one time, distance learning or anything? Or did you have any anybody <laughs> out of the house so that you guys could focus on your work? No, when March hit and we're in Oakland, so it hit really soon. No, they were all here. There was not a lot of distance learning. There was actually pretty much nothing. It felt like for at the time, my second grader and my four or three-year-old or whatever she was, it was just chaos. <laughs> oh, and now are they in school? What's their situation? And do you have time now to really focus on work or how do you manage that? Do you have childcare? Mm. You know, what does that look like? Yeah, I've actually written a lot about this on my blog about getting help in childcare. So my oldest one, she's at Zoom school and really self-sufficient and she loves, it's Oakland School for the Arts. My middle one, we actually decided in June to transfer her to an amazing community Jewish small school that's private. For our mental health, we actually reached out and got scholarship as small business owners in the, and Jewish philanthropy. I have to thank them. And she is really happy. She's been back in person since October. And I really think that that was the key to our marriage and our success as business owners. And I have to just really thank God 
for that. <laughs> and I was going to ask what about having her away was the, the key to, you said your marriage, which is an interesting kind of point yeah, to say. I, so my middle one is really extroverted, similar to me. And Zoom was really hard for her. It was, she was getting really depressed. She was getting angry and I couldn't manage and sit by her because my husband is in the restaurant business, meaning literally when March hit, I, we did not see him. He was looking for any type of loan, any type of anything he could do to save these restaurants and his business. And so we, we kind of like all had a moment, Don and I, and with our girls, that he said to us, he said, I cannot abandon these people. These are my friends. These are my restaurant friends and my, and I'm not going to. And we just said they couldn't pay him. I mean, we didn't know they didn't get the loans, right? Don't remember many of them until May, end of May. And we just went on faith. Okay. And then, and so I saw that if my husband was going to spend, dedicate that much time to work, and then I at the same time, could have curled up in a ball and said, oh my gosh, I'm running a, a, taking a leap of faith. I'm in a publishing house that mostly does packaging and tries to get it sold into traditional channels, or I could not have a network and launch my own imprint with independent publishers group, Chicago Review Press, and get national distribution, global distribution. And that's what I did. And I literally let my kids watch TV. I told the teachers when they were like, well, Anita's not turning on. I said, you know what? My husband and I are small business owners and we are going to save our marriage and our livelihood. And that's what we're going to do right now. And my daughter who's it's going to be fine. And then in June, when it was like school was out, I hired a camp counselor uh, who didn't have work. She was phenomenal. A college grad who had to come home and live with her parents. And she helped me all summer and it was amazing. And my daughters, my four-year-old and my not, not eight-year-old at the time were doing tie-dye in the backyard. They got, they got Natalie camp. They were happy as clowns. So we figured it out. And at the same time, I also knew to move her to a school that would eventually reopen so that we could continue the momentum and, and, and work. What made you decide to take that leap in your business and to go all for it during the middle of COVID when it's probably for most people would be like, I can't do this right now. Like, let's just take a step back and let's surrender to it. But instead of, you went full force and we'll, we'll back up a little and talk about your career trajectory, but just during that time last year in 2020, what made you go all in instead of going all in maybe on homeschooling and motherhood and saying like, oh, maybe I'll take a break from my business or maybe I'll step back. What made you just go for it? I felt I deserved it, to be honest. My third baby. I mean, I had spent time in the corporate world, in the business world. I had done my time. And I was like, no way. This is my time. I'm getting my strive. I'm going to be in year two of my business. I'm now in year three. I was like, I'm in year two. I either like, this is not, this is going. And I've seen success. And I was like, I love what I do. That's also, a, I think the biggest driving factor is I write that all the time. Do what you love, love what you do. I make books and I create and I get to work with entrepreneurs and authors and, and thinkers and designers every single day that I, I didn't want to give that up. I only wanted to push forward. 
Well, let's back up a little because you're doing what you love, which is amazing. And a lot of moms out there have a passion and they want to do what they love, but sometimes the financial cards don't lay right or the situation they're in a career. You had a full-time career in a publishing and sales, marketing, all of that. Give us your backstory. What did your pre-entrepreneur, pre-almost mom life look like? And how has that evolved over the years? I love my pre-mom. My actually, to be completely honest, I love what that. What was your pre-mom life? <laughs> I love that life. I had a credit card and I got to like go to like Guadalajara book fair and like New York. And I was like young and publishing and it was awesome. I had an expense account and I had no children. It was great. Yeah. I really did love it. It, there was something about being young and publishing. I got my first job right out of college in publishing. I was really lucky. I'm a creative writer and a comparative lit major, to be honest. And I got a job in marketing. And I had an incredible boss who had been Cindy Crawford's publicist at Broadway Books. And she was just like really motivating. And she like believed in me. There was a small, tiny publishing house called Amber Allen. And they had a book called The Four Agreements, which became a New York Times bestseller. And I got to be on that marketing team for that. And she just like mentored me and taught me like what that means to champion small independent presses. And so I think that that life was so already exciting and new. And, but, you know, obviously I met my husband and he was older. He's seven years older than me. And so he was kind of in a hurry. He felt he wanted to have kids before he was 40. And I was in my late twenties. So I had my first, I think I was like 31 when I had my first child and things changed. Like you're, I was still in corporate and stuff, but after She turned two and I was just at the grind and I had been honestly pumping in utility closets and on airplanes and in their bathroom and literally like the JFK bathroom is disgusting. They didn't have those pods at the time. Now they have like really cool pods. I've definitely pumped in between like two men on an airplane before and it's just so awkward. And now they have the, you know, pu- like the cordless ones. So everything's a lot easier. They had nothing. I have like my Medela have- pumping style, yes. like on the tray table, like, sorry, yes. dudes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like literally there is no stations. There's no station in the airport. There's no stations at the trade show. There, I pumped in a utility closet. I mean, it was just like so nuts. And so then what I did is I actually had a great job. What what happened is I went, I did corporate for a long time, even, even with my second kid, but I ended up pivoting a little bit at that time and left publishing and went into baby and fashion design with a big brand called Dwell Studio. It was oh, with yeah. on Lemieux into Target. And I met her doing her book into Target. And she was like, Angela, there's this weird thing called Amazon. Will you, I would love to hire you and you manage this because you come from the book world and Amazon was a book retailer. I said, sure, I can manage Amazon. And I also managed Whole Foods and, and Nordstrom's and other things for her and all the West Coast actually. And we did like shop and shop. It was a great job. Anyways, the point is, and the cool part is even then at the baby show, they still didn't have those pods, but you could like wear your baby in an ergo and be a salesperson at the trade show and no one blinked an eye. Right. Because you were walking almost also advertisement for it. Totally. Totally. Ergo was like, great. Look at all these moms and other booths that are, you know, using my ergo. It was great. So you actually then switched from publishing, which you really, really, I mean, that was your passion and being in books to, even though Dwell Studio had that sort of like line, but you weren't doing 
book related things there. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's correct. I did their rugs and apparel and everything else. And I did baby home and fashion for them. Did you miss the book world at that time? I did. I missed it a lot, but it was a good, it was good. I spent about five or six years in the baby. I mean, sales and strategic sales and also working with the big accounts, which I did is similar because I'm about product development and listening to the account, listening to what they need. For example, what I learned in the baby in fashion is really how I'm able to kind of take the collective book studio and publishing to the next level. Interesting. What about it? Like taught you? Well, so like we were, I was at Nordstrom selling up in Seattle and we had all these beautiful layout from Dwell Studio. And the buyer looks at me and goes, you know what, Angela, I love that pattern, but it's not going to work on that onesie. Can you make a baby blanket out of it? So I told Christiane Lemieux and everyone's like, yeah, of course we can do that. Like it's fashion, right? They have the print. They can make a gorgeous baby blanket. Publishing is not like that. Publishing is like, oh gosh, you want me to do something totally different? I planned this book three years ago. We can't change this book, right? We can't change this book, Whole Foods or Target, but Target and Whole Foods are like, but that doesn't work for us. But if you tweaked it, this does. So what I've been working on in the the collective book studio is this concept of books shouldn't take three to four years because the market changes so much. And we can't do things as fast as self-publishing, but we should be able to get to market within a year. Also about branding and stuff like don't judge a book by its cover, but ironically, a lot of people do. And that's how, I mean, that's how you brand something. If you see something on the shelves at Target, it better look pretty or else I probably wouldn't like, I'd be like, why is that there? Like, what book is this? Yes, correct. Oh, you do judge a book by its cover (laughs) and that's yes. And you do judge it by all things. How does it lay? How does it how does the typography are? How does it feel? You know, like you, some of your favorite books, if you feel them, there's texture, there's embossing, there's debossing, there's foil. So yes, I think when people deliver us manuscripts, we think who's the end user, who is the buyer and how are we going to make that into a package? And I think that's interesting that you used your experiences and your, the things you learn from different industries in order to incorporate that all in, because I think a lot of also moms out there or just entrepreneurs are like, I want to do this. This is my passion. Oh, I have no experience, or I don't, I don't know the X world, but they can take different aspects that they learn from their previous jobs and apply it like your sales and marketing. hundred percent. A hundred percent. So like, it's like when I went back into publishing, cause I missed it. So I, what I, I was in baby and fashion, but even my job was sales and marketing director and it's grueling. You have to get on trade shows. And I um, got pregnant with a third baby kind of by ups, right? There's eight years apart and uh, a happy ups. And I was at this trade show and I was head of sales and marketing for a high-end furniture brand. And I was tired. I was six months pregnant. I had two babies at home. I mean, two kids at that time at home. And I was like, what am I doing? Right. And so, and I, and I missed publishing. I I loved it. I had spent over, you know, 12 years within some of the best places, 10 speed press and Chronicle books. And I missed it. So even if I would say to any mom who's listening, I get it. Like it's exhausting within any industry when you're, when you're always traveling and you're always doing something. So I thought to myself, what if I just quit and I just think about doing something else? And I, 
I, I took this leap of faith partly because I was lucky that my husband's business was really thriving at the time. He has had some very successful restaurants here in the Bay Area. So I felt like it was having two breadwinners is really important in San Francisco. You know, it's like, Yep. I, I was gonna say, I live in LA, but I lived in SF for a little before yeah. the tech, tech stuff, but yeah. I get the prices there. I mean, it's like living in New York, any city it's yeah. yeah. No, we want two incomes. <laughs> yes. you know? It's like, it's definitely, so it was like a huge leap of faith, but I literally quit. And like within two weeks, I got a phone call from a fashion baby. It was like, could you just consult? And I was like, well, I'm having my baby in like four weeks, but like, I guess I could. And they're like, we don't care. You could like fly to Utah. They were great. They're, they're a great company, Oilo. They're very similar to Dwell Studio. I said, sure, I'll like come and consult and nurse. And they put me up at a hotel and I had a little baby with me and it was great. And I was doing some consulting and kind of like talking to them about brand ideas and how do you get into big retailers and just really just kind of going into their catalog, talking to them, how do you take just a sheet pattern and, and make it into a baby blanket, you know, really talking to them about how do you diversify your catalog and your brand as well in, in the market. So that was great. But I, and, I, and I, why did I was going to ask about, you said you just took a leap of faith. Did you have any plan? You just said like, <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm having my third baby. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to take a leap of faith. But did you say like, oh, I'm, you know, maybe I'll try consulting or were you, was it a conversation with your husband where you're like, it's fine. I'll take, you know, a break when I have the baby. I had no plan. I thought I was going to take a break, but I got a call for two. Yeah. I was like, oh, and my personality, because I had never been not working, right? Like I was 22 and then I'm now almost 40. So I like, I didn't know what that even meant. So when I got the call, I was like, sure, I could do it. My husband was like, well, what does this mean? And I was like, well, well let's just go get a Oakland business license. He knows he's a, he has his own business. He's an accountant. It was great. We applied. I became a consultant. So I got this call in two weeks. So that was five years ago. And I just became a, decided to do consulting. And I then got another client, Cameron and company, which is great back into publishing. I got this little street. She's an awesome self-publisher and did some consulting with her. I did tra publishing and consulted with them and helped work on stuff into Simon and Schuster. Like consulting is a really great way to kind of keep yourself in the game but, also- but on your own schedule. Yes. But did yes. you have like, when you were like, okay, so I consulted this, you know, one client in Utah, did you have kind of a idea of this is what I'm going to quote consult on? Like I'm doing sales and marketing or I'm doing publishing, or were you just the free agent of, yeah, I guess I'm just Angela consulting now. How did you formulate like your own brand or how do women go out there and just start consulting? How did you mm. find these clients? How did you formulate what you even consulted on? Cause it sounds like almost different things, the baby company versus the publishing. I, I left the baby world. Okay. I, I, it was it, that I, I liked working with Oilo, but it was like, and, and dwell studio and Newport cottages, all of those are baby brands, but it wasn't my calling. And again, I think we started off this podcast, do what you love, love what you do. It wasn't. So I learned, I only had one client because I wanted to have time with my third baby. So I, it was an awesome time. I was hiking with her. I only, I only, I didn't want to have like four clients. I I spent her first year of her life doing things that I didn't get to do. Don't forget my oldest at 14 weeks, I had to leave her 
with my husband and my mother-in-law and go to Chicago for a big meeting. And she was 14 weeks old. So like, I didn't, I wanted that first year of my third baby's life when I'm like, in, you know, I wanted to cherish every moment. So I only wanted one client. And I think that that's okay to do. And that's okay to say. And that's like those boundaries. I, I wrote this on my blog, OOO equals success. And I think I took that year to tell everyone I'm out of office. Yes, I'm doing this one thing. It's great. Maybe it was like eight to 10 hours a week. I got to revamp their catalog. I still got to talk to Nordstrom's or Whole Foods. I, but I didn't let it overcome everything. And I got to nurse <laughs> in a different way. And I got to also, don't forget, I think my middle one was only about four years old. She was in her last year of preschool. So I got to do things that like other mommies like get to do that are so exciting, like pick her up early and be at the park and just also spend the last year of preschool with my second. And then also my oldest one, go to assemblies, go to Martin Luther King's oratorical fast, like just things I didn't, I had to miss before. Did you have any mom guilt when you missed them before? Yes, a lot. Yes. I actually, oh gosh. So Martin Luther King oratorical fast is huge. Like it's the biggest deal in Oakland. And my kids went to Oakland Unified and my kinder, the kindergarten year of my oldest, I was traveling. I was on some big business trip, probably selling to Target or Costco. I don't know where I was, but I remember missing the, that oratorical fast. And I, if she's in kindergarten and I felt like I was the worst mom <laughs> because every person had their video cameras and this and that, and they were on Facebook. I'm doing that. And I was like in a hotel room going, oh my God. I'm missing this. So yeah, I do. I did, but I also- How did you cope with it? How did you, did you have any ways to combat that? Well, I'm going to tell you, you have the mom guilt, but then you have the win of why you, of who you're shaping. So my oldest daughter, why I have the collective book studio is because of both my baby and my oldest. So I- didn't, when you said, okay, what's happening with like, then you went back into publishing. I miss publishing. So I quit actually Oilo and I started to rethink and network back into publishing and how I could get a consulting jobs back into publishing. And it was because my oldest, there was one moment I was in the car with the baby who's probably one at the time, picking up my, my middle one from preschool, my other one, and they all want things and they all want things. And I lost it. It just said to the girls, you need to go ask your dad for all that stuff. He makes all the money. And my oldest daughter says to me, mom, you can make money too. Interesting. And she's nine years old, right? At the time. And she remembers, she remembers her mom going, getting in her power suit, getting on an airplane. She remembers all of it. She remembers her full-time nanny. She remembers all of it, getting picked up from a nanny, a kinder. And, and so I look at her and I said, you're right. And then I like launched this big consulting thing, doing it in publishing and the collective book studio. And I owe that a lot to my time, right? That what I put in as well as what my daughter saw. So I think we kind of started about this of like when the COVID hit a year yeah. ago. 
I was like, no, I'm on this path. I deserve to be on this path. And my oldest one told me I could do it. And that was your driving why. And I love that you also said it was the win afterwards. It was, why are you sacrificing this? And what you saw after that made such an impact? Because I think a lot of us, we think of mom guilt in the sense of like, oh no, I, you know, I I can't believe I'm missing out, but you don't realize what the good is by like, you shouldn't have the mom guilt, I guess, because really in the end, there's something else. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, I know they say that it inspired their children to want to start their own business or that they could see that mommy was doing more or that mommy was happier because she had something that she was trying to achieve or just, it's interesting what your kids, I guess, see versus what we perceive them to feel. Correct. Because my oldest doesn't think my mom missed my oratorical fest in kindergarten. She actually sees the mom who like came back from her trip and spent time with her on the couch and listened. And we, she has still to this day, every single city that I went to, I would pick up a snow globe. So she has like 50 plus snow globes from all over where I traveled. And so she has a lot from New York. Publishing is a lot in New York, but you know, you go to trade shows in Las Vegas, or I went to Dallas or wherever else I was going. And that shelf is so important to her. And so, yes, we shape our kids and our girls in a way where now that guilt, I don't have that guilt, right? Like I don't have the guilt of me missing out because I also know truly that the girls I have today are watching their mom build something really unique and also watch their mom through corporate as well. So anyway, that's so empowering. (laughs) Wow. So you turn consulting into then the collective book studio and you, you have like a full on company and a team and everything now. Was that just a decision overnight? Like, I don't feel like doing consulting anymore. Was it a natural evolution? Like, how do you go from being a consultant now and having this kind of side hustle to motherhood to I'm going to establish a full on business? That is a great question. So what I did is I started slowly. I'm brick by brick, like women owned company. There's, there's no VC or angel backing. So I started really consulting. And at the same time, using the consulting money to hire a trademark lawyer, to launch a website, to like do all of the things I needed to do to make the collective book studio successful. I also was working on a project, a packaging deal with the, with a museum that was going into Simon and Schuster's list. So I was able to kind of build up already an, a, a revenue stream that was helping me. I used my consulting essentially to help me with the back end, And then I started getting clients and mostly word of mouth because we're all from traditional publishing. So whether that be Dean Burrell, my managing editorial director, who was at Chronicle Books for 20 years, whether that be Amy Treadwell, who was there for 18 years, like we're all close. And honestly, Elizabeth Saki, who's my director of operations and acquisitions, her and I worked together at Chronicle Books. I literally just put something out on Facebook, like, hey, I'm launching this business. And she DM'd me and said, congratulations, Angela, are you going to need any help? And I was like, yes. Oh my God, Elizabeth, will you come? And she's like from day one. So at first I was just actually paying people from a consult, like also this hourly consulting, they weren't getting on payroll until we grew enough that I couldn't do both. Right. So yes, is the consulting money awesome? hundred percent. And could I do it today? Sure. 
but there was a moment once we signed the deal with IPG and which is independent publishers group. And we're going to launch our own imprint. I decided I not to consult anymore. I needed, I need to really pay full-time attention and put everyone on payroll and really put some of our, we have still contractors, but put some of our staff on payroll and really focus on the business. That's pretty incredible, actually, that you said that all of these people came from like pretty established companies, years in other businesses, and now are working with you. What do you think lured them in? Like, how do you get someone who has 20, 20 years of experience at Chronicle Books to leave there to come to almost like a, you, you can call it a startup? What, what about it? Was it like a mission they believed in? Was it you they believed in? Like, is it the founder? Like, you know, what, what is it? Well, so I was able to start, I started the collective partly because I was business consulting, don't forget, into Cameron and Company at the time into Abrams. And I saw a lot of my colleagues, Dean Burrell being one of them, was no longer at Chronicle. He was doing his own thing and, and doing a lot of actually editorial work into self-publishing people mm-hmm. who needed help. And I was like, why are all my editorial friends consulting? And they're consulting either with self-publishing or Dean Burrell does a lot of work back into Chronicle Books or Callisto or, you know, Lee Staffold, 10 Speed Press, Chronicle Books, even Random House. So I was like, God, you guys, you're all like consulting or doing all this other stuff. Why are we coming together? Why are we, co- that's my, my nice collective. I get it now. Correct. <laughs> it just Correct. like clicked. <laughs> it clicked. Yeah, no, it was from my consulting that I was able to see what myself, Elizabeth Saki, amazing. Why? She had a husband who was the breadwinner, a lawyer, and she wanted to raise her two boys. So she left Chronicle Books, like similar story. And so when I think I was just there at the right time posting on Facebook, because she didn't want something full-time, but three years ago, her little, her middle, I think her little one was still pretty little. So I think that the caliber of what we do often is, if you look, I do have a lot of women on the team and many of them are moms and they want the flexibility. Wow. So you now created a workplace that works. It blended your whole mom, baby, you know, totally. genre with publishing, which is amazing. And you guys are so differentiated in the industry. For those, I guess, just quickly explain what your publishing house does and how, what exactly is quote a hybrid? I mean, I understand what it is, but some people might not know what you do. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So I really am distinct in the industry. I call myself a partnership publishing house with hybrid contracts. We have full global distribution. We've partnered, like I've mentioned on this podcast, with a company that has 50 years in independent publishing. So just like my name, the idea of of coming together, that's been in our industry for a long time, really good independent presses. We come together for full distribution so that we can compete with Hushet or Simon & Schuster or Random House. So when I needed to launch an imprint, I'm already in the industry. So I called you know, Joe Matthews. And I was like, I can't print thousands of books and put them in a warehouse and have no distribution. Like no way. So we are very different. What we are essentially a packager custom. We work with you. You could either not have it in the trade and we could just create you a beautiful book, which we do now for several companies. Or if you want trade distribution, we don't acquire the IP. That's very different than other publishing houses. 
So we don't pay advances. We don't acquire your work for life and you have to buy back your IP and you've made a contract with us. What we do is what I call partnership publishing, meaning the creative fee that either you, you spend and buy the illustrations and the design you own, it's yours. Same with your idea, your thoughts, you're collaborative in the project. You have to look for our guidance because again, a book is judged by its cover. And so we're very, we're very picky. And we also only work within the genres that we are successful in and we know how to do. So that means I don't do memoir or fiction. Like it's not my, it's not what I ever sold. So I wouldn't guide somebody there. Uh, it's not fair, but I definitely can give advice of for folks, but I, but we don't publish those things. And then, so we publish like lifestyle, food, wine, children, self-help, career development, motivation, like things that I'm, I'm good at doing gift products. So then you, if you want, you can sign with us and, and then we have a, a sales team where you are being shown at places like Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and Anthropology and Nordstrom and Costco. And we are your megaphone. We're your sales team. You're in trade shows. Of course you're on Amazon, but that is only one retailer. It's a big retailer and important retailer, but it is only one. What about your favorite bookstore? Don't you want to be there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have a dream to be, you know, on the pretty table of anthropology one day. Yes. One day. <laughs> yeah, you will. You will. I mean, and then, me you know, on the Today Show, all those know. Yes. Yeah. So we sell, but the difference is that means we don't do print on demand, right? Because we believe the book is an art form. We believe in the package. I, I say we're really look at a package. I know this is a podcast, so you can't really see Stephanie, but I'm going to have to send you a couple copies of our different books so you can touch and feel because they're special. They have foil, they have spot glass, they're special. Well, so now that you have this company and you know, you have three kids busy building this company and stuff, what do you do in your free time? How do you find time for yourself? And is there anything, any ritual that you have daily that you at least carve out for yourself? Mm, this is such a good question. So yes, I exercise. I used to run a lot more. I think as I got older, my knees can't take it completely, but I still run early morning, one day a week. I get up early before the kids are up and I What's go early. Well, 536 AM. Okay. That's not bad. <laughs> a lot of it's, it's crazy. A lot of moms that I've interviewed, their wake up time is 5 AM or earlier. Oh God! No. I have one mom who wakes up at three in the morning and I looked at her and I was like, excuse me, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> three in the morning. Wow. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like 536 and get down to, you know, you want to be, you want to be really exercising by 615, 630. And I do the run one day and then I do a full walk another day just to off it. And then I, two days a week, I take like a, during the week, I take like a Pilates or a, some kind of class. So I really make exercise at least four days throughout the work week plus the weekend. So I think that making that time for physical health has uh, allows me, I always say when the day I don't do it is actually the day I'm not the best mom or the best wife. Wow. I think it is really important. Those morning habits or the, you know, the, just carving out something for yourself. So yeah, the other day I was so stressed out and the kids were crazy. I said to my husband, I just need some time. So I went to the bathroom, I lit candles, I made a big, huge bubble bath. And I just said, please, no one bother me. And it was like the best. Oh, it was like at 
6.45 too, like a time where we're supposed to be on you guys for dinner. And I was like, wait a second, like everyone was just, and I was like, why am I doing this to myself? My husband can do this. Like I needed a break. And I just said that to everybody. And you know what? The kids and my husband gave me that break when I said that's what I really need. Well, that's a good thing to be able to ask for that and to not have to like ask for permission. Like, can I go like being like, mommy really needs this. If you want her to be happy and you know, totally. sane, I need to go right now. No, <laughs> totally, totally. Well, to wrap things up, I wanted to ask, what is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom that helps you in business life, whatever that might be? Ooh, Okay. So what is my superpower once I became a mom? I think the idea that I can accomplish anything I'm set out to do. I birthed three babies, two of them with no drugs. That's the hardest thing in my, in it ever. So I think that adrenaline, that, that will to birth a baby, like has made me, that's my superpower. Wow. And where can we find you online? So it's, the collectivebook.studio. Collectivebook.studio is our website. And then I'm also Instagram is at the collective book studio. Perfect. Well, thank you, Angela, for spending time with us today and sharing your journey. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. I love getting asked these questions, Stephanie. Thank you. It's really a, it's really a gift you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.